Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. Hey there, Jason Whiteley with Jason Wheeler. Uh, another episode of Yolitics here as we close in on one month away from the election. It's hard to believe, Jason. It's it's really coming fast at us here. It is. Uh, and I think that the final month of uh, the campaign is probably going to seem like two years. You know what I mean? It's just flashed by so far and now it's going to feel like we're just in slow motion waiting for November 3rd to just get here already. Uh, but boy, are both sides uh, gearing up for the fight, the slugfest that's going to happen. Uh, I mean, they've been slugging it out in the fundraising. They've been slugging it out in trying to get their voters energized into the polls. And now they're slugging it out in the courts a lot, too, Jace. Yeah. And all these happening in Texas, mm-hmm. Texas courts, the Texas polls, the Texas voters. So last week on Yolitics, we had uh, U.S. Senator Ted Cruz. He joined us from his office in Washington, D.C., uh, and one of the things he said that stuck with me and that kind of got a little traction on uh, social media was he said Texas is a battleground. Mm-hmm. Uh, no question the state is changing. Those were his words. So, you know, Democrats love to hear that because it kind of validates the, the, the work that they've been doing. But what all have they been doing? So this week, we, we reached out to the Texas Democratic Party and its executive director is Manny Garcia. Manny, good to see you, man. Welcome, welcome back to Yolitics. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you, man. Uh, so you guys have a new you guys have a new poll out. Uh, we should get into that before we dive in. Absolutely. You know, head up forty eight forty eight. This is a toss up race in Texas. This is Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Very exciting to see. I think I, I think the entire two year period, this election cycle, we've seen poll after poll after poll show us in a single digit race, show us in the margin of error. And now I think you've just seen a series of polls in the past few weeks that that either show Joe Biden up or show us tied. Uh, and this just uh, it goes to show that, you know, we've said it all along. Texas is the biggest battleground state in the country. There's a tremendous amount of excitement about what's going on. And uh, in the last couple of weeks here, we're going to see how it all plays out. Manny, even those polls that would show Trump with a three point lead in Texas. Talk about historically how big of a deal that is Look, for yeah. people who are new to Texas. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, you, you come from uh, a period in time where we're first of all, I mean, the, the, it, uh, a presidential race hasn't been contested in Texas in over 25 years. Right. Um, and you look at 2016 for the first time in two decades, we became a single digit state. We did better than Iowa and just the same as Ohio. And what was crazy is during that period of time, our volunteers were calling Iowa and Ohio in the GOTV period instead of calling Texans, right? You, move, you fast forward two more years, you look at 2018, we narrowed that statewide gap all the way to two and a half points with Beto at the top of the ticket. Um, but you, we increased our urban dominance 
made big inroads into suburban Texas, flipped all these state house seats, congressional seats, state Senate seats, um, and showed that statewide victory was possible. And now you look at the 2020 race and, you know, you, back then people said, well, you know, 2018 was a fluke. You had a once in a lifetime candidate in Beto O'Rourke and that was incredibly exciting. Well, in 2016, people were saying, well, Donald Trump was just uniquely unpopular and that, that was just a once in a lifetime kind of thing. Texas is going to be a double digit state. Well, Donald Trump's back on the ticket. We got more excitement than ever. More people are getting registered to vote. And uh, this is a toss up race. And it, it's just incredibly exciting to see it here in Texas. And for folks to now feel the battleground treatment, which is you're going to get texts, you're going to get phone calls, you're going to see commercials, you're going to have people constantly talking about voting. Uh, some people might get really, really annoyed by all of that content. <laughs> Uh, but welcome to a battleground state. That, that's what it's all about, mm. right? You're going to have a lot of conversation about voting. Manny, last week on Yolitics here, uh, Senator Ted Cruz said the same thing. Texas is a battleground. No doubt that it is turning blue. Those were his words. Um, everyone I talk to on both sides, though, because I ask them about these polls all the time, and they always say, yeah, yeah, it really is possible that Texas could turn blue. But how likely do you think that is? It's possible, yes. But how likely on November 3rd do you think it is that Texas will go for Biden? I think it is likely. I think the wind is behind our backs. I think what we have been seeing is the Texas electorate has fundamentally changed, right? Over, uh, we got more than 16.6 million registered voters right now. Um, I think you're going to see that number increase in the next couple of weeks as we approach the voter registration uh, deadline where a lot of registration ends up happening. But you start looking at who these voters are and what has happened to the state. Very young electorate, people of color, uh, women. You look at suburban Texas and we see a real diversification of suburban Texas. So you've got this remarkable phenomenon that's happening in Texas that isn't really quite matched across the country. I think everywhere we saw in the 2017 elections, college-educated uh, suburbanites moving over to the Democratic Party, increasingly trusting the Democratic Party. We saw it in a bunch of special elections. We saw it in the 2018 election cycle. But what we also see in Texas that we do not see in almost any other state except for maybe Arizona and Georgia and certainly not at the size and scope that we see it here is the diversification of the suburbs in Texas who is moving into the state and who is becoming of age into the electorate. And people moving you know, out to purchase their first home out in suburban Texas. So real diversification there of Asian American Pacific Islanders who are the, the, the fastest growing population in Texas, um, Latinos and African Americans. Texas is home to more African Americans than any state in the country. Yeah, that's something people, a lot of people don't realize that. Exactly, yeah. and so it's a very diverse, a very diverse electorate now. This is a new state. And, and that's why we are competitive. And that's why we are competitive in these particular places where we are. Well, let me ask you about that. So uh, have you been on the phone with Joe Biden? Or if you could get him on the phone, what do you say to him about in, investing in this state? Because we have heard from some Democrats who say that they would like to see the campaign go after this state more aggressively than what they have so far. Look, everything is big in Texas. So when we're asked, do we want more money and do we want more attention? Absolutely, we do. We always do. And we're always, were you we're asked always that? fighting for more. We absolutely. And, and we have fought for more. We've always talked for more. What I'm very excited about is, you know, they hired a Texas team. They hired, you know, friends of ours, people we know, people that know Texas, people that are from here. Um, and they are, are, are working with us and coordinating with us 
um, on every aspect of, of this campaign, right? And, uh, you know, you come from a time where there had been no presidential campaign presence um, in this state or whatever campaign presence was in this state, you know, was trying hard, but, you know, ultimately was ordered to make phone calls to other states. And now you're looking at a situation where we are building an organizing effort that calls Texans about the, what's at stake at this, in this election and that gets out the vote for Texans, not for other states. In fact, we're having the, the, the campaign and volunteers from all across the country team up with us and have phone calls into Texas, right? And so this is a big difference from where things have, have gone. Now, you know, there's no doubt the big knock against Texas has always been the price tag, that we are, we're a very big state. These media markets, Dallas and Houston in particular, are expensive. But here's the reality. Dallas and Houston are, are, are expensive because they're big and they're worth it. There's a lot of people there. Um, and when you look at the, the environment that we have today, you're nine seats away from flipping the Texas house, 22 within single digits in the 2018 cycle. I mean, we're going to flip the Texas house. You got 10 congressional targets, more than any state in the country. You got a U.S. Senate race that's in the margin of error. You add that all up, that's a lot of communication happening in Texas's media markets. So a presidential campaign doesn't have to take the lift all by itself. In fact, if it works in a coordinated fashion, it can integrate with all of that work and it can make sure to turn out the vote for everybody. So, and, and that's the proposition. Don't take Texas by yourself. Nobody's alone here. Uh, but if we all work together and we do it in a smart way, we can, we can lift up the entire state. Manny, one big indication that, that people might not realize about how close Texas is, is all these court cases we're seeing. And uh, late last Friday, we saw the, the surprise. I, it was a surprise to me. It probably wasn't to you. But we saw the surprise uh, announcement of uh, the straight ticket uh, uh, ban. Yeah. Your ability to, to vote straight ticket was banned by the Republican legislature. It was not just Republicans voting on it, but everyone was. But a judge said, no, 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 Texans can vote straight ticket. Two things on this question. Number one, how significant is that? Because it sounds like people might not have to wait in long lines if it happens. And number two, uh, do you expect the Republicans to appeal that? Yeah, they they are appealing that. And, and I, I expect to hear from the Fifth Circuit very, very soon. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not holding my breath here that we're going to get, uh, relief. Um, I think we've seen on a number of voting rights cases, particularly vote by mail, for example, that why we have been, uh, correct at the lower levels of the courts, once they come up to Republican courts, they, they slap them down and they make it harder for people to vote. And the fifth circuit, yeah, for, for our, for our listeners, the fifth circuit is, is more conservative, but, but go ahead uh, about, you you don't think that'll be a reality at all. But the, the, I, I, I'm hoping that it will, because I, I think you're, you're right that long lines will be created by long ballots. And if you can't vote uh, a straight ticket, um, you're going to take longer at the line. Um, now, what I'm very encouraged by is Dallas County officials, Harris County officials, people across Texas's major urban counties making real reform to make sure that we have more polling locations, longer hours, um, more uh, more poll workers to try to prepare for that, to try to prepare for that effect of of uh, of, of, of the length of the line because of the repeal of straight ticket voting. The very notion that we're having this conversation, I think it's what's inter- interesting here, really interesting here. The Texas legislature decided to look at this, the Republican Texas legislature, and they decided to pull this out because they weren't liking that Democrats at the judicial level were winning in Dallas, in Harris County, just sweeping all of these races. 
And what they what they were noticing is that Democrats caught up to them on straight ticket voting. It is the preferred method of voting for Latino and African-American precincts across this state. And so when they looked at certain judges that they had appointed not being able to get elected, they got pissed off about it. And they said, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to make it harder for people to vote all the way down ballot and hope that we can sneak some of our people over the top through there. Um, and, and it was a, a deliberate scheme with discriminatory effects to make it harder for people to vote and have their voice heard. Um, and I think the very fact that we're having that conversation shows just how scared they are about what's going on in Texas, that if people have their voice heard, then our government dramatically changes and it begins to look more like this state. M- Manny, the other big legal case also right now that people might be following uh, is the, the internal GOP fight. Governor Abbott said we're going to extend early voting by an additional week. So it'll be three weeks of early voting instead of two. Uh, his own party, the Republican Party of Texas, and, and a number of Republican uh, activists have sued him, saying, no, you don't have the authority to do this. The election code has to be written by the legislature. Uh, how, how do you think this is going to unfold, and what do you make of that, that, uh, that inter, in, intra-party struggle? Well, you know, the Republican Party has been in civil war for a couple of years here in Texas. I think we were the we were the state that saw the birth of compassionate conservatism with George W. Bush um, and then saw that evolution over a period of time. Remember, Rick Perry ran for president and said, if you don't believe in dreamers, you don't have a heart. Um, and th- that party no longer looks like itself anymore. Um, now you got Trumpism ramp uh, rampant throughout um, and people like Alan West. Um, saying, I want less voting options for people. Uh, I think they very much have made the decision that the way they win is by keeping people from voting, by getting their group out to vote, and that is it, and making sure that that opportunity is silenced for everybody else. Um, I think we all understand that we are in some extraordinary circumstances with uh, with this pandemic, that we need to make sure that we have voting open and accessible for people, um, and that they participate in their democracy. And it makes complete sense to have more days of, of early voting, longer hours of early, of early voting, more polling locations, more options, the ability to vote by mail. All of this makes sense to regular people who have seen every aspect of their daily life change because of this pandemic. Um, but yet the Republican Party decides to be in civil war with itself about it. I want to ask you about both of these cases, though, because uh, in both of them, we saw the initial action, for instance, early voting being expanded. This was months and months ago that that happened. Uh, Obviously, this whole idea of uh, no more straight ticket voting uh, was passed years ago and was set to go into effect for this election. And here we are creeping up to the line for this election in November. And both of these things are now playing out in the courts in significant ways. Is there a risk here with both of these cases that really all it does is sparks a lot of confusion among people that they don't know what the rules are just weeks out from a big election? Yeah, what we what we want to make sure that people understand is that, one, there's always a resource for you. You can go to MyTexasVotes.com and find your polling information, your polling location, um, all the information that you need to bring in order to vote. Um, you can always call our hotline 844-TX-VOTES in order to get assistance so that people can walk you through the process and you can get everything you need in order to go to your polling location confidently. Um, and there, you know, This is a state that for a long time had, had low voter information. 
Um, and, and I frankly believe it was deliberate from the Republican government that you're making it harder for people to vote. We were in redistricting cases, discriminatory voter ID cases, um, multiple levels of federal courts said that Republicans intentionally discriminated against people. You know, we know they don't have an incentive to get information and voting information out to folks. We know that 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 that, that has been their pathway and they're trying to cling to power. Um, but what we have done, and I think a lot of progressive organizations have come together on this, really outstanding folks like Texas Civil Rights Project, Texas Organizing Project, doing everything they can to inform voters and to go above and beyond and when state government will not be there, we will step in and make sure that people have the information they need in order to vote. Really outstanding work from local officials, by the way. Um, you know, county officials are the ones that carry out these elections. And it's county officials that have been stepping up in the middle of this pandemic with little resources and sometimes with state government, you know, hogging resources. You got $6 billion that Governor Abbott's holding onto from CARES Act money right now um, and will not distribute it. But them making decisions to expend resources to make sure that voting is more accessible. Um, you know, Harris County has been leading the way with some of that work. Chris Hollins, our, the, the, the Harris County clerk, um, has been doing an outstanding job there and going head to head sometimes with Governor Abbott and Ken Paxton. Um, but that's what we got to do. We got to make sure that people have their voice heard. It's very simple. Election night itself. Do you think that we'll have a, uh, a result on who the next president will be? Uh, yeah, I certainly hope so. I know that counties are preparing uh, to make sure that they're counting and they're, that they are ready to announce uh, figures. Um, I think, you know, at the end of the day, though, it's not about how quickly we hear the results. It's about that the results are counted um, and that everybody had their opportunity to have their voice heard. Right. So I'd rather wait a couple more hours or, you know, have a few drinks in the middle of the night um, and just and, and just wait, you know, have some pancakes early in the morning at three in the morning or something and watch the results. Uh, then, uh, then have a vote not be counted. And so, you know, I think it's important to let these local officials take the time that they need to do it right, because um, a lot hinges on this. And, you know, flipping the Texas House, that's no joke. That's a national, uh, that, that is a national deal. The, the, the congressional districts that we have up for grabs and that we could win, um, that is incredibly important. This U.S. Senate race, uh, I think we all know the U.S. Senate is now incredibly important and it is pivotal uh, that we win. Um, and the presidency, when Texas wins, you know, 38 electoral votes, there is absolutely no pathway for Republicans to get to the White House. Uh, let me ask you about the Supreme Court. Uh, there is this epic battle that's going on right now to uh, replace uh, the late uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And uh, boy, this has touched off a huge fight. I want to know from you, what do you think that that has done as far as enthusiasm among Democrats here in Texas and also with regard to fundraising? What have you seen uh, in the in the fallout? Look, we are we are ready to fight and we are ready to win. Uh, I think people understand what's at stake. And, and I think people we are we're blessed to have a lot of folks who um, give what they can, whether it's five dollars or ten dollars or more. Uh, to, to make sure that they have a strong state party that, that is up there and fighting um, and doing what it takes to win. I, I think all of this is because people understand, Democratic activists, the general public, folks understand what's at stake in the Supreme Court. It's about our lives. It's about every single aspect of our lives. The Affordable Care Act is on the line. Abortion is on the line. Immigrant rights are on the line. Voting rights are on the line. All of these things are critically important to our daily lives. They are on the line. And that's why we are going to fight like hell. Uh, and that's why we're going to do everything it takes to, to ultimately to win. 
You mentioned flipping the Texas House. For, for our uh, audience who's been paying closer attention to the presidential race or maybe the Cornyn-Hagar race, what's the significance of a Democratic majority in the Texas House? The, the Democrats are, are, what, nine seats away from get, winning a majority there. What would a majority mean to this state politically? Yeah. Do you, do you want to do you want to pass Medicaid expansion that flipping the Texas House puts that right on the Texas Senate and, and, and gets a negotiation going? Um, you know, do you want to make sure your schools are well funded? Flipping the Texas House, make sure that we pass a budget that we can be proud of um, and that supports our students. Do we want to make sure we get through this pandemic um, and that we finally put resources into this healthcare infrastructure? Um, which has been very clear in a number of portions of this state in particular, has shown to be, uh, as, has been letting our people down. Um, do we want to get that under control? It's going to take big investments. And a Democratic Texas House is ready to step up and provide those, those, those solutions and, and, and fight it out here. So it is very important to our lives and to the welfare of our families and opportunity of Texas that we flip the Texas House here. Um, and, and the other part here that, that I'll note that, that, that some people maybe don't always give um, candidates credit for is, you know, you're building community at the local level and you're, you're talking to your friends, you're talking to your neighbors, you're getting folks excited. Sometimes you bring in folks that otherwise would not have participated. You know, they may see the presidential race and think about it as a national matter. And, you know, that's something for cable news, but that's not something that I'm going to deal with block by block. That's not about my schools. That's not about, you know, what's going on with me. Sometimes they'll, they'll think that way. And I think what local candidates are able to do, state house candidates are able to do, is bring more folks into the coalition. So, you know, in politics, a lot of people talk about coattails, where there's reverse coattails as well. I think these Texas house races in particular are doing a spectacular job. They are going to increase the turnout. And because you can flip the Texas house, you can also win statewide and vice versa. When all those campaigns work in coordination together, um, everybody can get out the vote. M- Manny, what, what, what's the most likely win on election night for Democrats? Is it the Texas House? Is it MJ Hagar? Is it uh, the presidential race in Texas? What's the most likely win? If, if you could go home with one thing on election night, what is that one thing? And don't say everything, man. What's the one thing you want? Well, I'll start off saying that, you know, what's what's spectacular about Texas is that every one of them is up for grabs. See, you, you just, you just said what I said. Don't... <laughs> I know, what's realistic? I, I, what's realistic? You know, but but look, I, I, it, it actually is realistic to do all these together because it's about ge- these these opportunities geographically overlap. Right. You, you look at the at the congressional races and the state house races. Those are all geographically overlapping with each other. Um, you look at this activity, Collin County and Denton County with 30-point Mitt Romney counties. They are now toss-up counties. How quickly did that ha- change happen? That's incredible. That's also where you see some of these state, state house opportunities. That's also where you see some of these congressional opportunities. And statewide victory is possible, possible if we work hard in calling in Denton County and other surrounding counties, right? So that's why it's sort of all interlinked together. Jason now, is all about with, the suburbs, though. He's, with, he's right. It, We've talked about yeah. that. Go ahead. And Go now ahead, we've actually, with all we've of actually that, done podcasts about I will that. say the strategic imperative of the Texas Democratic Party is to flip the Texas House. This is incredibly important for a generation. This is a, you know, we're going to get in there and it's about the things that we can do to make people's lives better. And it's also about representation and the future of our government. We're going into a redistricting cycle. 
Um, we all know how contentious that is. We all know we've been in court cases on redistricting forever. I feel like I, I started my career at the Mexican American Legislative Caucus in a redistricting case that didn't finish until just a few years ago. Um, wow. And it ran this, this entire time. And, uh, and, and it, it is incredibly important that people see themselves in their government. And this fight for on redistricting is going to be huge. Uh, Jason, I, I found he, he answered it. He did. He answered with one of the specific things there after saying he all did. of it. Uh, Manny, I'd like to ask you this. With so much going on, you know, you're talking about the Texas House. You're talking about congressional seats. You're talking about a presidential election, a Senate election here. There's so much to keep up with, and that doesn't even get into the court cases that we began with. What would you say is the biggest thing that is going on from your perspective, though, that the rest of us are not talking about? What's what are you seeing that we're not seeing? What, what what's the biggest thing that's boiling beneath the surface here? I, I think here's the thing that, you know, we can get caught up in the, you know, Fox News or MSNBC conversation about, you know, what's going on in this country we can get caught up in this sort of, you know, plea for bipartisanship because everybody's frustrated and sort of fed up with what's going on. They want something to, done. Uh, but I think you know, regular people are experiencing a world that has dramatically changed. And at this point, it doesn't matter if Donald Trump or Greg Abbott want to downplay it. You know someone who has passed away from COVID and it might have been a family member, might have been a friend. Your job has certainly been altered by what's going on. Your life has been in jeopardy if you're one of those frontline workers. You know, those protections for, for people to be safe, they're really important. They're important to your family. They're important to you. Um, and, you know, when somebody might, like Mitch McConnell that may seem so far away in D.C. says, I'm going to try to pass this, you know, in the weeds bill about business and liability and issues like that, you may not think it, it affects you, but it actually does. It dramatically affects your welfare and your safety and the future of, of your family. Um, and I think regular folks are, are, are getting that. I think regular folks see their kids, you know, my two are upstairs right now, um, you know, going through school and they've seen a dramatic change to life and they want change, they want action. Um, and they're tired of, you know, this political game that's been happening um, that's, that tries to downplay things, tries to say, we're going to open up next week. We're going to move to that. We're going to move to this, um, with no real substantive action actually happening. And with people being in dire straits, you know, people, people trying to make ends meet and put health, uh, put food on the table. Um, and, and I think that that is, that is striking and is going on every day. And we're all sort of connected to it, but over time, we kind of get desensitized from it. We try, we, we start sort of pulling back to it and we get it, we get accustomed to what's going on. But, you know, every time you hear of a, of a family member or a friend or some, you know, um, coworker or colleague um, who's battling COVID, you're reminded um, that this is very much out there and that representation in our government is incredibly important. Many, uh, a lot of people on the outside of, of politics and outside the weeds uh, might not know about logistics here and how the state Democratic Party has really ramped up its staff. And I think you and I have talked about this a few times. Is, in my understanding correctly, is the staff of the state party the largest has been, what, in 25 years or so? Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because, not, I want you to, to tell me about that, but also because you guys have ramped up your staff, you've really taken the fight to Republicans, forcing them to up their game as well in the state. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we, we have over 150 people on staff right now. Um, we are larger than we've ever really been. Um, these folks are really talented operatives, experts in their fields. Um, they have built out communications and digital programs. They have built out data and technology programs. They have built out candidate and county services, training for our volunteers, organizing to talk to make sure that neighbor talks to neighbor, um, an, an outstanding finance team and an operations team that makes it, makes it all work and the trains run on time. Um, all, all of that, what does all of that do? And some of folks don't quite understand what state parties do. Um, they certainly see the press releases and they see the comments, but they might not un understand the nuts and bolts of what happens. We are the data backbone of every progressive uh, campaign and many organizations across the state. Um, and so when our data is on point, when our targeting is on point, it makes every single phone call, text message, uh, mailer, digital ad, all that more efficient. And, uh, and, and the kind of services that our teams provide support our county chairs across the state, more than 200 organizations out across the state, um, and support our candidates, more than 800 are on our voter file. Um, and so we make sure that campaigns are efficient and effective, that they're better, that they get to respond, and we provide services to make sure that they get the answers that they need so that they can organize their communities and get people out to vote. Um, and so, with, so, I was yeah. going to ask, with all of that, with all of that data that you have, though, what are you expecting once we get to November third? Uh, I mean, this party is coming off of uh, you all had a special election or a runoff election, I should say, uh, over the summer for the Senate seat uh, here for the Senate candidate, and easily blew away any previous turnout for for a, a Democratic runoff in Texas with almost a million votes cast, which is hard to do in the middle of the summer in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. What are you, you know, you're looking at the data here. You're hearing from people. What are you expecting as far as turnout goes? Yeah, I, th I think turnout is going to be through the roof. I think people understand what's at stake and the sort of pandemic be damned. They're going to have their voice heard. Um, and, uh, you know, I think both parties agree that about 11 million voters is what we may be looking at here. Um, mm -hmm. That is that that's huge. Um, and uh, I think both parties agree that voter registration is going up. Um, and we're going to keep, keep on, keep on breaking records there. I think every, every couple of weeks you see like a new story that says record shattered. Um, and you know, not every state deals with that. Um, we're a state that grows we're, and we're a state that grows really quickly. Um, and that's why, you know, suddenly you've seen a very, a very different story in Texas this cycle than we've seen in the, in the past, but, you know, make no mistake that this wasn't a sudden immediate shift. This was a shift that happen because of year after year after year of work, of earning trust of voters, you know, deciding to entrust Democrats, of new folks coming into the electorate. Um, it's been a lot of different things. People, you know, putting themselves forward to serve, lots of excitement from our candidates. All of this has come together to provide this environment. And, and at the end of the day, it's good for our state to, to have this fight and to make sure that, that we all have a voice in, in what our future looks like. Yeah, and for our listeners, I'd remind you too, you're not just hearing, you know, one side of this here because we had Ted Cruz on last week again, and he said Texas is a battleground. The state is changing. So uh, there are folks on the right who certainly uh, know that as well too. Manny, you've said several times, uh, talking about fighting like hell. Um, it, it makes me think of uh, a story I covered in Nashville in 1992. I was covering Pat Buchanan. He was running for the, uh, uh, the Republican nomination and I grabbed him on the way out and um, of an event, and I asked him, I said, uh, you know, hey, how long are you going to, uh, are you going to stay in the race? Something like that's what I asked him. 
he stopped and he turned around and looked right at me and said, we're going we're gonna to fight until hell freezes over. Then we're going to fight on the ice. And that, <laughs> I always remember that. I'm like, damn, that was a good line. That was a, that was a great a line. Quote. So it, it aired in Nashville that night and is stuck in my brain uh, since 1992. Uh, Manny, it, it's great to talk to you, man. And uh, good luck to you guys. And, and, you know, hearing what Ted Cruz said, hearing what you guys are saying, I think that Texas really might have a battle come November the 3rd. Can I just say one thing? Yeah. I'm going to add one more thing and it's like kind of it's kind of in the weeds because you know it doesn't get a lot of attention. But but there there are statewide races that are up for grabs right now that are incredibly important and they don't get talked about a lot. But the Texas Railroad Commission is the most important environmental race in the country right now. Um, you know, this is this is huge energy industry is is massive in Texas, incredibly important. Um, and we got a really smart cra- candidate in Krista Castaneda right now. Um, and that railroad commission race is going to be very, very interesting um, and incredibly important for the, the future of our economy and our state. And the Texas Supreme Court races, Court of Criminal Appeals races. I think in the past couple of months, we may have seen the Texas Supreme Court in the news more than we have ever seen them in years past um, because of all these voting decisions that they were doing. Um, and you have an outstanding group of candidates who have put their name forward to to serve here and so when we say that you know joe biden is is tied and within the margin of error and those kinds of things yeah that's that's all happening for the railroad commission and the statewide judicial uh uh offices as well as the u.s senate race right that's happening for all of that um and and those things are going to make huge lasting impact on texans lives they're incredibly important and we'd encourage you to to support those candidates Okay, don't bet on that. Uh, I have a feeling that he's probably not going to take our call on the night of November 3rd. (laughs) We're going to give him a call, but I don't think he's going to answer that one. I think he's going to be a little busy that night. Yeah, and you know, the Democrats, rightfully so, because they've worked hard. Uh, They talk about all the new voters and all the people they've registered to vote. And and those those are good milestones to reach. But at the end of the day, they know it. It's about turnout. Republicans Mm -hmm. know it. It's about turnout. Republicans yeah. have been more successful in this state using a, a number of strategies to get people to show up. Now, if Democrats can somehow topple that this year, it's possible both sides know and say it's possible. But if they can actually do it, that will be a, a, a seismic shift in Texas politics. Look how much slack they're talking about there, though, Jason. He was telling us, you know, of the almost 17 million people we have registered to vote in Texas, uh, they're expecting about 11 million people to cast ballots. I mean, just that alone, 11 million people, that is tremendous for one state. But then you think about there's that pool of six million people who can vote, who are registered to vote, who may not vote, even with the stakes being as high as they are this time around with so many different levels of races on the line here and and control on the line here. So it's, you know, which party is better at reaching into that pool of six million that might not show up and getting those people to the polls? And why don't those six million vote? I've never gotten that. I don't understand. I, I can understand if you're, you know, turned off by two candidates for president, for instance. But you don't have any opinion about the Senate race, too, the, the House races, the judicial races on there. This stuff affects your life. I mean, you may not be able to draw the direct lo- uh, line from point to point. Uh, but in the end, this all affects your life. 
and to just not even show up, I, I don't understand it. It's tremendous, but no doubt both sides are trying to get those people out there. They, they both play to their bases very well, but the people that, that swing elections every time are those folks in the middle. And, and you know, in this, this day and age, people don't think, oh, well, how can you be in the middle? You don't, mm. you don't think this or that. Well, you're not, you know, a true Texan or a mm. real patriot or, or whatever. But those people in the middle swing it every single time. Right. And more of those six million people in Texas need to get out to vote. And if indeed we are a battleground state, as as we've said, both sides now say we are, then those people in the middle become that much more important because they're the swing voters in a swing state. Uh, as always, uh, we, we want to thank you for listening. We would also remind you that if you're hearing us for the first time or the second time and you keep doing this the hard way and going in and manually listening, uh, subscribe so that you can get these every Tuesday when they drop. And I would like if you would leave us a comment there as well, especially if you're one of these people who traditionally has sat on the sidelines and not voted. Why did you sit on the sidelines? Tell us. Tell us why you're getting off the sidelines uh, this year as well. Uh, I, I think it'd be interesting to know, and maybe we can talk about that in a future episode. 